There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The Vail Dance Festival returns to the stage July 29th through August 9th. Conversations on Dance returns for a fifth year to bring audiences behind the curtain and closer to the festival artists they love. Our live podcast recordings have just been announced and will be running from July 30th through August 9th, totaling 10 events. Guests include Justin Peck, Sarah Mearns, Pam Tanowitz, Caroline Shaw, Lauren Lovett, and many others. I will be on maternity leave this summer. These live events will be hosted by Michael with special guest hosts throughout the festival. Tickets are on sale now and can be purchased at veildance.org slash conversations dash on dash dance, or click the link in the description of this episode. Be sure to subscribe to Conversations on Dance wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any of the content coming from the Veil Dance Festival. Do you want to make great money doing what you love? Do you wish dance could be your sole income? Are you ready to take inspired action on your ideas whilst letting go of the story that dance isn't a real career? Then turn your passion into profit with Allie Phillips' new dance business coaching program for dance entrepreneurs. You absolutely can turn your passion into a profitable, purpose-driven business. You absolutely can make decisions with confidence and ease, not limited by the blockages in your mind, but instead deep, embodied trust in your journey. You absolutely can create the lifestyle you desire with consistent and impactful habits that will serve your personality and feel aligned with your business. Inspired action creates confidence, freedom, and fulfillment in your dance business. So if you are a dancer wanting to create a personal brand, a dance studio owner wanting to grow their business, or an entrepreneur waiting to start from scratch, consider hiring Allie to hold you accountable to your goals and dreams. Allie has successfully turned her passion into a successful, sustainable, and profitable business, and she's so excited to help you do the same. For Conversations on Dance listeners only, mention that you heard about Allie through the podcast, and if you sign up in the month of June, you'll receive 20% off her new 10-week coaching program. Visit AlliePhillips.org or click the link in the description of this episode for more details. Everyone must have a quick, free discovery call to see if the program is the right fit. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. On today's episode of Conversations on Dance, we are joined by dance leader of Harlem Ballerina, Ingrid Silva. 
Ingrid has been breaking barriers and gaining industry-wide attention since she first joined DTH for the company's revival in 2013. We talk about her leap of faith in leaving her home country of Brazil, the impact that Arthur Mitchell had on her early career, and what her experience being a new mother while keeping up with DTH's demanding touring and performing schedule has been. This episode was recorded as a part of Dance Theatre of Harlem's Sunday Matinee Virtual Series. An abbreviated version of this interview appeared in this virtual performance, accompanied by beautiful photos and video clips. To watch that portion of this interview, plus the programming we discussed in this episode, we have included the YouTube link in the description of this episode. And now our full interview with Ingrid Silva. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Rebecca King Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. Rebecca and I are both former dancers with the Miami City Ballet and hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance. We are so happy to be here today as part of Dance Theater of Harlem's Sunday matinee virtual series. Uh, today, we have the pleasure of speaking with DTH dancer Ingrid Silva. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ingrid. Thank you so much for having me, guys. We're, we're so happy to have you. And while Sunday matinee viewers will be enjoying a short excerpt of this interview, uh, anyone who would like to hear the entire interview can um, join us on the podcast the week of June 20th when we will be releasing the full excerpt. Yeah. So everyone, um, if they're interested in listening, they can subscribe to Conversations on Dance wherever you get your podcasts. We'll also be putting it out on our website, conversationsondancepod.com. So we hope that everyone will pop over there and listen later this month. Great. So now we can just dive right in with you, Ingrid. We've been wanting you on the podcast for a really long time. And um, we just want to start where we do with all of our um, guests and just find out a little bit about how you first became interested in dance. So I'm originally from Brazil. Um, Being a dancer was never my dream. Um, I was also very energetic. So I used to run around the house and then my mom was always trying to find ways to get me to dance or do anything else that would get my energy going. And then um, at the age of eight, one of my neighbors actually mentioned to my mom, hey, so there is a ballet audition happening. Would you like to take her? And for me, it was like, wow, ballet? I've never seen it. I don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You have your beautiful (laughs) daughter joining us. (laughs) Yes. What's your name? Fala Laura. Laura. The high. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> and then um, we did the audition. I had no dance shoes or anything. So then I did barefoot. Um, she really liked me. She said I had the potential. And then she was like, hey, can you bring her more often to take classes? And then mm-hmm. from that moment, um, I've learned a lot about dance that I had no idea that was possible. I mean, discipline, perseverance, resilience, you know, um, and most um, important, I think, um, this project that I auditioned to was a community dance project mm-hmm. in the favelas of Brazil. So we often mm-hmm. don't have uh, sports or if you do, it's very expensive. So you cannot mm-hmm. afford. So this dance program gave me shoes, gave me clothes, tights, everything. And I danced with them for 10 years until I came to America. Wow. Wow. So what was your, um, when did your understanding of dance as a professional option come into your view? Like, were you, was that early on? Did you understand that that could be a career or did it take a little while before you realized, wait, being a ballerina can be a life? Yeah. Yeah. It took me a little while. I think when I was 12, one of my closest teachers 
popped the question asking if I would see dance as a professional career. And it was really hard because even though Brazil, it's very diverse in ballet, I was the only one in the room. So I was like, I don't think I can see that as a career. I don't see anyone that looks like me. Right. And then that was really hard. But she was like, well, never give up. Keep working hard. Um, there will be opportunities and moments that you definitely can um, get better on your technique and opportunities will come. So for me, honestly, um, one day when I was 18, Betania Gomez, she was a former principal dancer with the city of Harlem. She's also Brazilian. She danced the Firebird and, you know, been spectacular in her career. She walked into this dance community project. Her friend uh, was one of our teachers and she saw me and she was like, wow, she's very talented. We have to send a video of her to um, the Institute of Harlem. By that time, Arthur Mitchell was alive. Mm -hmm. That was in 20, 2007. He saw the video, really, really liked me and then asked me to audition in person. I came in 2008 uh, landed in America, had no idea what was happening or what I was doing. And I went straight to GTH. And it was amazing because when I opened the door in the building, I was like, wow, everyone here looks like me. Mm -hmm. And I joined the school for three months where they had the program called Dance State of Harlem um, Professional Training Program. And through that program, um, I used to just go to the program and also rehearse with the ensemble, which was the small company at the time. Right. Uh, doing the same thing as the big company does now is touring and preparing and doing that kind of stuff. So I was in both. And then Mr. Mitchell was yeah. like, and then um, Mr. Mitchell was like, hey, I think you should join um, the Institute of Harlem Ensemble. And then I think that moment when he said that for me, it was like, wow, I actually wow. became a professional. And right. I think that was when the key turned. I had no idea I could be until I was there. Right. Mm -hmm. I wonder, right. Um, we're kind of like in a similar ge generation to you. We were kind of starting our careers around that same time as well. And Michael and I talk so much about, you know, VHSs that we watched that felt you know, very formative to what our understanding of ballet was at that time, because we didn't have YouTube and all the things and social media like they do now. So I wonder um, what your understanding was of DTH and Arthur Mitchell leading up to that point when someone suggested that you look into it or were you just like, well, okay, why not? You know, or was it something that you kind of had your eye on? I mean, honestly, I had no understanding. And meanwhile, in one of the dance schools that I danced, had a big poster of the city of Harlem. And I've never mm -hmm. seen that poster. I was like, how is this? But it was like, it was a huge dance school, uh -huh. which is from the municipal of Rio. And they had different um, pictures in the wall. And then for some reason, after performing and dancing here for a while, I look in the wall and I was like, wow, they've been here this long time. Uh how I have <laughs> never seen them. So that to me was really incredible. But because the company then was in hiatus. That was the 2004 mm -hmm. moment when they had the hiatus. I had no idea of who they were until I actually came in the building, learned about the history of the company, saw Arthur Mitchell in person, got to work right. with him. I mean, because overall, if I am who I am today is because he was the one who saw something in me. And I'm pretty right. sure I was raw and looked crazy back then. 
Like he he really had to work on this on this jewel, you know. Uh-huh. And I think um, seeing that and how the opportunity that he gave it to me, you know, the chance that's mm-hmm. all we're looking for, um, that really changed everything. And when I learned about um, dyeing your ponchos to match your skin color, dyeing your tights, that to me was mind blowing. I mean, I've never knew anything before. So leading up to that, that's when I saw the potential of this amazing organization. Yeah. Right. Was was Arthur's belief in you kind of what gave you the bravery to come to New York on your own at that young age? Yeah, 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 I think so. I mean, I was 18, didn't speak mm-hmm. English at all. He saw my video. He He was like, well, we loved you. We would love to see you in person. He's very honest. That man is honest. He wouldn't lie. He wouldn't make me go across the ocean to just come here and do a tondu and go back home. He knew. (laughs) I didn't know, but he knew. And I think that to me gave me the courage of like, wow, if he believes in me, let me just give it a chance and see where it would take me. And Mm -hmm. I think that was the the step. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what... um like the culture shock was like for you, like you just mentioned, you didn't speak English yet while you did find an immediate, maybe, um, community within, I mean, did you even find an immediate community within the dancers there at dance theater of Harlem? Did it take a little while? Were there other Brazilian dancers? What was that like early adjustment like for you? Well, it was a huge cultural shock because I didn't speak the language. Um, I didn't find a community right away because I couldn't communicate with them. Sure. Right. So that was the hardest moment for me. I remember telling my mom I wanted to go home every day. I was like, I don't want to stay here. I want to go home. Like, this has been really hard. And she's like, well, you're not coming back. You got to <laughs> stay there. You got to work hard. Um, life is not easy. And this is your only chance. And I'm very grateful for her, even though she had no idea of what ballet was and what it took to be mm-hmm. a dancer, because her strength also helped me overcome this cultural shock right um i used to go to dance all day come back and try i went to like a esl english course to try to learn english um that didn't go very well because i thought i was going to be like speaking like everybody and it mm-hmm. we know it's not like that i think right. i only figure when i was in there um after a year i learned english so i was able to communicate with people more and that definitely helped me finding my own community and my close friends. I mean, Chris right. is one of them. I don't even know how we talk back then or how he could understand, <laughs> but I was mimicking a lot. And that right. definitely changed um, everything. I also had a friend, Flavia, who is Laura's godmother, who also danced in a company. Uh, Flavia was Brazilian from Sao Paulo. She danced in an amazing um, dance company in Sao Paulo. And she was like, Arthur Mitchell, Jew as well back then. And um, she was a huge inspiration for me. She helped me in every way, not just dancing, but translating because she was the only one that could speak both languages. Right. And that definitely helped. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about your time specifically with Arthur? Obviously such a huge dance icon and um, just a really important 20th century dance figure and to, to be with Arthur in his, the final years of his life and to have him sort of um, 
guide you into this career? What were, what were some of the most memorable experiences you had under his direction? I think seeing him for the first time um, was really amazing. He definitely gave me the chance and the confidence. Um, he would do this test of telling you to stand on a tondu in a second position. And from that, he would know where that would take you in your career. And I remember doing a portabride, the end of the audition with him. And he would go, can you do a tondu in second? And I was like, tondu in second? We, are, we did the whole bar. We did the center. Why you need me to do a tondu in second? And he was like, well, I yeah. just wanted to see um, your, your uh, presence. And um, I felt like I was very shy, but I was like, okay, don't do it in second. And I looked, you know, <laughs> bright into the future. Because I also remember when he said, um, let the light hit your cheekbones. And um, he was like, okay, okay, you're good. You're good. Smile. If you don't do that porta bra very well, I'm sending you back to Brazil. And I was, I only remember sending you back to Brazil. I was like, yes, yes, I'm doing my best. So that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw him very much as like a father figure, like even though he was very um, serious at his job. I remember he used to teach us every Wednesday and make us go across the floor in assembly like nobody's. Um, And that was a really amazing, great experience I had with him as I've grown. um, He kind of like took a step away from the company when... um, we had Virginia join in, but we never lost contact. Um, I remember seeing him after a long time. I think it was one of his appearances or teaching at the bar. He was like, how are you guys doing? I'm uh, watching everything that you're doing. It's been really amazing. So um, I think he he was definitely a person that I will never forget um, that he was able to give me the chance and to shape me. And definitely know where his legacy stands. And I think that's one of the most important things. Yeah. Do you have any specific memories of him maybe coaching you in any specific ballet or like working on something specific that maybe stands out in your memory? Yes. I remember we have a ballet by um, Robert Garland called Return. And um, I was very new to that. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And then I remember I had to jump on a guy's shoulder and I was running towards the diagonal and then he would say, Hey, I know you're shorter, but I know you have a big jump, get that jump up. So I would run (laughs) towards the diagonal to jump on the guy's shoulder. I think that was my kind of like first part of day role. Um, And he he used to make this noise like, ah, ah. (laughs) And that meant when something was really amazing, or we do definitely hit the step. That was his reaction. And I was like, wow, okay, I think I did it. And then there was another ballet um, that he created a party day called The Greatest that believed in the children, believed in the future. And I remember learning that. But I was so raw and I had no idea what I was doing. I always keep remembering, like, what if I was this person that I am now back then? Um, But you know, everything happens for a reason. But I remember him like, well, you need to remember this is an important embrace of uh, teaching the kids the future of dance or the future of what they would love to do in art. So it's really important for you to use this kind of movement. So he was an amazing coach. Right. Like you would definitely see a difference in, in your movements, in the way you carry yourself. He was very particular at that. He would always say, 
you represent something larger than yourself. And I definitely know what that means. Right. That's so beautiful. Uh, As you mentioned earlier, you came to DTH in sort of a a difficult time for the company. The, The main company had been disbanded temporarily in 2004, and you've watched the company build back to its kind of rightful place in the pantheon of important dance institutions. What has that been like? Like, can you tell us from the time you got to DTH to now where, um, you know, the company's getting the sort of acclaim and um, appreciation it deserves again? Yeah, I mean, it's been a journey. I mean, even for myself, I think throughout the years, um, it's been really beautiful to see everything developing. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Virginia came in 2013, um, and that was a, a real turn and a change for the company. Um, she has an amazing way of embracing all of us and t- squeezing out of us the best that we can be on stage as artists. Um, her way of working is also very particular. And I think that definitely changed and shaped whoever generations of dancers are coming to the company now. Um, throughout the years, I've also found myself very confident in growing in my artistry, growing um, with everything that the dance art form can offer. The company and the organization has also changed. Um, it doesn't seem so far from now. But I remember my first uh, magazine cover, which was Point Magazine, who soon it's going to be celebrating their um, anniversary. That was only five years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not even that long. And just to see how um, the company has evolved from when I was 18. Now I'm 33. I have Laura. Um, I have performed all over in many places, worked with many brands and taking dance to different places that dance wasn't seen before. So I think um, being part of this organization now, um, it's more than ever one of the best moments I could say. Um, We have done so much. We have opened many doors. We have formed many dancers. And we will keep doing that as the future comes. Yeah. I wonder while you're talking about working with these brands, you have such an impressive, like reading your resume of all these great things that you've done. You've like, you mentioned your point magazine cover. You've also worked with Nike and Dove and AT&T. I'm sure there's many other ones, but what makes you um, really eager to take on that opportunity? And like you're saying, you know, kind of bring dance to an audience that might not um, see it otherwise. I mean, I think more than anything, it's not just about being the first to work with these brands or just making, having the recognition or opening doors. It's, I think um, my figure now does not stand just for dance. I don't want to be the little person that everybody knows um, that, oh, she's a dancer, but she also has work with this. Um, I see my image now as an inspiration for the future generation of black boys and black girls who wants to dance and become professional. And also in expansion, um, the world needs to know that ballet is just not part of a theater set. Ballet is worldwide, you know, it's a Mm -hmm. different language of art and it really transforms. If I haven't done my first tondu or plie when I was back in Brazil, I wouldn't be able to be here. Maybe if a little girl haven't seen me in the Dove commercial talking about my hair, but also being my beautiful brown point shoes. She wouldn't know that it's possible for her. 
Right. Yeah. I wonder what that would have felt like for you as a child to have seen someone like yourself in a Nike commercial. What would that have meant to you? Oh, wow. I think that would definitely change everything. You know, I think definitely would start shaping my confidence because once you were the only person in the room, it can be very intimidating. Um, I know we always talked about diversity and we want to do that change in the ballet world. But we really have to see that change happening. Um, mm -hmm. Over the years, we've had many organizations saying that they want to change. But do we really see these bodies on stage? And I mean, bodies actually that looks like mine. Um, I think that as much as important as we want to do things and see the changes, um, we really have to see those changes on stage. So if we do um, a list right now, of how many people or how many black dancers we have in major companies out of 60 dancers, you have three or four and that's mm -hmm. not enough. Mm -hmm. So I right. think that's also something for us to revisit. And when you asked me when I was 12, would I see that as a career? Maybe not because where I was in one of the major companies I was close to, they didn't have anyone that looked like me. So definitely was not possible, right. Right. but if I have seen me back then, I would definitely know that was possible. Also seeing a company as Dance State of Harlem with so much diversity in it. We have dancers from Brazil. We have dancers from Cuba. We have dancers from Haiti, from Mexico. How many other companies take a risk and pull those dancers together? We don't have many. Right. We have right. just the norm. But if you want to follow what the future in dance is, we need to make more accessible so whoever audience are coming to the theaters can see right. themselves on stage. Exactly. I, I love that. That's exactly what I think of all the time. It's like you want the you want the arts organizations to reflect the community. Right. And mm -hmm. it's right now in the dance world, it's not there yet. And so I think it's so beautiful that not only are you, have you committed yourself to, um, you know, being an artist, but to help. Um, further cement this idea that representation matters, you know, by not representing a community, you're inherently excluding certain mm -hmm. children from from that visual of knowing that it's possible for them. Definitely. And, and you've done all this work. I mean, the, these projects you've started and empower her, empower, sorry, uh, and Blacks in Ballet. Um, can you tell us a little bit about like the, the genesis of these individual things that are helping to get um, further word out there um, to underserved communities? Yeah, I mean, Empower New York was born in 2014 um, after lots of talks with my um, friends and family, women specifically. We haven't had a voice in a while. I mean, we've always had a voice, but we were not heard. And as we see now with all these laws where mans are stipulating what we should do and what we shouldn't, um, it was really important to create an organization who supports women in every full and um, powerful way. And embracing their projects, embracing their personality, embracing um, their ideas and dreams. Um, we've had a rooster of more than 2,000 women globally, part of this community. Um, we've keep growing. We've had an events. We've kind of took a little break recently, unfortunately, because of the pandemic. But um, mm -hmm. we are still doing events online and we are in contact with our community. Our blog um, has been on and up with 
a lot of articles that people can always explore and come back to us. So I'm very proud of this organization. And one of my newest projects that came through the pandemic as well was Black Simbale. Um, Black Simbale is an extension of a dream that I have of creating the first um, ever Black dance festival in Brazil and maybe becoming global if we have partners and people who believes in us. Um, I believe also it's not just about giving a scholarship to the dancers or give them opportunities and give them space, but also giving them jobs. We have um, elite black dancers worldwide who are not being able to reach their fullest potentials, maybe because they don't have an opportunity. So what we wanted to do with Black Simbale, first of all, it's also an online um, digital platform who showcase dancers globally. So even so when people ask you, uh, so oh, I didn't know this dancer. And then you're like, oh, look at Black Simbale. They have many dancers of color. It, and also I think we share their stories. We share their journey, where they came from, what they do and things like that. And I think that's one of the most um, important things. It's not just about giving dancers a platform, but giving them an opportunity. So we're slowly but surely um, working on for us to have a dance festival in Brazil. I want to start there because it's where I come from. And we have many talented kids there as well. And then eventually uh, partner with companies here who can give these dancers and scholarship and maybe spots in their company. And with that foundation... I can definitely see that we will push forward to the diversity we expect to see in the future of dance. So for any presenters that are listening that might be interested in this project, how's the best way to connect with that organization? Um, they can definitely email us or email me, Ingrid Silva Ballet at Gmail or Blacks in Ballet Gmail. And you have an Instagram account, right? I was looking at it this morning. It's so beautiful. Yes, yes. We have a Black Sin Ballet Instagram account. And um, we are very proud of showing all these beautiful and amazing dancers and sharing their dreams. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Well, Ingrid, we are witnessing firsthand uh, something we had as another question, which is you just gave, um, you know, you, you had your firstborn. And um, you are juggling motherhood for the first time with your professional career. You're on tour right now and your daughter is on the interview with us. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so what has that process been like for you? Um, how, how, how do you find that balance and how does it shift your approach to your work? I mean, it's a whole new world, literally, <laughs> that I had no idea that was possible to happen. Having Laura, it really changed everything. I mean, first of all, when I found out that I was pregnant, I thought I would never dance again um, because we know very well how when you are a woman and you are a professional woman, um, it doesn't matter what kind of level you are, but not every dance company or directors or the dance world embrace you as they should. And I think that's a huge problem that we have and a misconception that it needs to get better. Um, women can do both. And if they choose so, they can pause their career and just become a mother or vice versa. You never know. Um, I think to me, when I first told Virginia, it was more of a shock for both of us because I was very scared. Um, and she was like, wow, this happened, you know, so quick. I had no idea when on vacation and I came back with Laura. So, mm -hmm. um, but in a way it was the best way because, um, the pandemic was here 
And I would have, I would find time to get back in shape, reorganize my body, reorganize my mind, spend time with her and definitely get back and dance. Mm -hmm. So when people always makes joke of like, oh, what do you did while the pandemic happened? I was like, well, I had a baby. And then <laughs> it's like nothing happened, but definitely happened. So very having, I know. <laughs> so I think um, having her, it was the highlight because I didn't know that was possible. Um, the first few months were very hard in my body because I had a diastasis. Um, for people who don't know, it's a space that it's created with your abdomen, you know, when it expands a lot and it has a hard time to come back. Um, I believe I'm still working on it now, but it's much better than before. Um, I also had to do another microsurgery. So it was rough. It was really rough for me. It wasn't easy. And once that passed, that was the moment of getting back in the studio. So I started taking classes back when she was around five, six months. And I would take her with me because I'm from Brazil. So my mother is not here. We don't have family here. Right. It's just me and my husband. And both of us are changing and doing the best as we can with our schedule. And then so um, I would go for half a day with her to the studio. And then he would stay with the, the other part of the day with her. Um, it was well when she was little. Because, you know, they sleep all day and then it's just playing. Now that she's one and growing, um, <laughs> going on tour with her at first, um, it wasn't scary at all because she's been traveling with me since she's three months. Mm -hmm. So I knew we got that covered. But um, after she completed one, she wanted to do tondus. She wanted to do plies. She's putting ponchos on. She's running around the studio. She's under people's legs on ronda jumps and things like that. So um, it's really nice, actually. You know, I didn't thought that that was possible. We always see something as such as struggling. Is it hard? I mean, it is hard. But I think what makes the most out of it and what makes the best is that, first of all, I have a group that fully supports me. It's not even their responsibility but they have embraced both of us. Mm. Second, I think it's having Virginia that it's such an icon in dance, but she also was able to embrace me and Laura, not just me. And I think another crazy thing that all of us dancers are blown away, it's how they connect. For some reason, I think both of them were in a different life together. Um, Virginia is the only person that when Laura is like throwing a fit or crying, she goes in her arms and she stops crying. Are you serious? Wow. That's amazing. Yes. And we can prove we have all seen it. And I have a video. I'm like, how is this possible? How does she they, do they, I don't know, but they have like this family bond connection. Oh. And it's so nice to see sometimes she, she sees me like trying to juggle both places. And she's like, do you want me to hold her so you can take class? So I have this sling that she puts it on. She yeah. did us class and she has her on it around the oh, studio. My God. And then Laura falls asleep in her arms. That's the so sweetest thing. How that happens, I don't know. But I find that really um, eye-opening. For the next generation, you know, right. that know the directors can definitely embrace you. And meanwhile, we are not a company that stays afloat just in New York. We travel all over the world. 
So right. everyone is always helping. Um, as you guys could see, Laura was part of the interview now earlier and now <laughs> going to the pool with the other members. So it, it's really nice. You know, I feel very, very loved and very embraced. And because of that, mm -hmm. I can keep doing what I love to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you mentioned, DTH does travel a lot. You're on tour right now. But one tour that must have been particularly meaningful to you was um, returning to Brazil. What was that full circle moment like to, to be sharing wow. your passion with your home country? That was once in a life opportunity. Um, I got to dance Waltz Fantasy by George Balanchine with Christopher. Um, and that was our opening night. I was nervous and sweating bullets. And, you know... <laughs> I am always very like focused, strong. I know what I'm doing. I'm ready. And then I was like, Christopher, can you hold my hand? Can we pray? It was right before we got on stage. And he was like, yeah, yeah, of course we can pray. So I think uh, that moment for me was really special, but not just special because we were fully connected, but it was a full circle. Coming right. back to my country as a professional dancer, after all the work that I have done, um, it was really, really amazing to see how people really appreciate. And when I finished every performance, the line was around the block. Um, the company wow. would get ready, go on a bus, go back to the hotel. I was like, I'm staying here and I'm talking to every single person who oh. made their way here. That's because so I, yeah, I mean... I didn't know if I would be able to see them again. And for them, that was the only chance to get to meet me, talk to me, right. take a photo. It seems like it's nothing, but I know that for for us, it's so much, you know. And and I really embraced that moment. It was really special to have my grandma there in a oh. theater watching me for the first time. My dad was there, my mom and my brother. So it, it was definitely um, one of the most amazing moments in my career. Wow, that's, that's so great. Beautiful. Let's shift gears and talk a little bit about DGH's Sunday matinee series. Can you tell us a little bit about the origin of this series and what DTH is looking to accomplish with these uh, virtual series each week? Yeah, so um, our dance matinees are a tradition that Mr. Mitchell created back then to bring history, culture, and community to Harlem. Um, since he founded in 1969, um, we've been having Sunday matinees. I remember when I first came to Brazil, we had a huge audience. We used to have two every Sunday, one at three and one at five. Mm -hmm. So we would give the community more chance to be part of what the state of Harlem um, is. Um, it was really amazing to see that we've not just held dance. We had dance, music, theater, arts, and we have also invited other companies. So Sunday Matinee is a very, very beautiful way of the community to be part of the organization. Now that it's online, the world can be part of it as well. Anyone can see it from everywhere. I mean, um, we had our last Sunday matinee. I've had a lot of friends from Brazil watching the show. Um, mm -hmm. It was really beautiful. I think we're also trying to have people closer to us, um, be part of our community, understand more about the organization, understand more about what the legacy of this dance company is, and not just that, highlight other dancers and other art, art forms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So for this performance, you'll be a part of the new staging of the prologue of The Sleeping Beauty. And uh, this is restaged by Dylan Santos, who also recently did the Odalis section of Corsair, which I think anyone that follows DTH on social media, it, it was just such a fun thing to just watch this classical excellence from, from the dancers of DTH. Like we all kept resharing that video, mm -hmm. the three of you, it's just so beautiful. Um, but what is it, what has it like been like working with Dylan on these restagings? And why do you think that works of the 19th century still resonate with audiences of today? Um, I think we are rewriting classicals as the world has evolving. And I think that's what Dylan did. Um, he has a very creative mind for ideas and reshaping, um, keeping the classical art form teaching different, um, bringing the story with a little twist, more of what nowadays is. Um, I love working with him. He's also one of my partners, so he's also a great partner. Um, we just restaged uh, the prologue, and it was really beautiful to see how each one of us um, has stepped into our roles in just three weeks of work because wow. we really had to record for the Sunday matinee, so it was really beautiful to see how we challenge ourselves how did the choreography came together, how the Padre Days came together, how he, it, it's going to be really beautiful to see everyone's reactions on how he restaged this oh, because it's not as as regular as people are used to see. I can't mm. tell much spoilers. You guys got to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, really absolutely. Well, fortunately, yeah, people can watch right after this, so they're going to <laughs> yeah. get to see it. Now, is this going to have another life after this, or is it just this prologue for today, or is there oh, no. going to be I'm more in the future? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Virginia is going to take this prologue on tour and part of our performances, like she has done with all the list. And I think it's also beautiful for the audience to see us navigating to all kinds of dance. Um, yeah. DJ dancers are very versatile. We do classical, we are classically trained, but we do anything and everything. I mean, it's also great to see that we have worked with amazing choreographers and that's what challenges us to be different from other dancers and getting outside of the box or in one program, you can do George Balanchine at first, then you go to Odalisk, then you go to Stanton Walsh Orange, then you go to Return by James Brown or higher ground to receive wonder. And this is what a variety of how you expose to different dances that choreographers can bring you to. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. So just to wrap up our interview today, I, I you know, you, you, when you think about coming from Brazil, uh, you know, just taking that risk to where you are right now, um, and the change you've been able to affect, not just as a dancer, but as a, a representative of the art form and your community. Uh, what, what's the thing you're most proud of from your time at DTH? Wow. Um, I'm proud of my journey with the company itself. Um, I'm proud of, you know, coming from, I mean, there's that Drake song that I always talk about, which is funny, but started from the bottom and now we're here, you know, <laughs> coming from how how I didn't speak in English. I had a huge dream. Um, I wanted to be a dancer. And in the middle of that, um, I found myself as an activist, not just speaking for myself, but for the future of dancers who look up to me and um, 
how that also has shaped me to become the mother I am today to Laura and being able to take her with my journey and taking her with me and seeing how the organization is taking us into this, this future of dance. Um, being also able to see how dance itself has evolved, how this organization has been seen by futures of generations. You know, it's an institution right. who have made exceptional dancers throughout history. So being part of this legacy, for me, it's really humble at first. Um, I think here is the place that gave me an opportunity and platform to become the person I am. I will be always forever grateful. Um, I will always be so happy as well and generous about how sharing my journey from here on. Um, it was a beautiful moment to be able to to rise above all um, criticism and people who didn't believe in me, maybe someday still don't believe in me now, but I've never lost the drive. And I've never forgot what Mr. Mitchell said. You know, you always represent something larger than yourself. So that's how I feel. Beautiful. Ingrid, thank you so much. We hope that the audience will enjoy the Sunday matinee today. And we hope that for all of our listeners and viewers, um, that you guys will look for Dance Theater of Harlem. You guys, like you mentioned, are on tour all the time. So for more information, visit dancetheateroharlem.org. Ingrid, thank you so much again. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you, Ingrid. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.